0: Much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's read that verse together. I think it would do us well. Are you ready? Here we go. Therefore, my beloved brethren. I meant like let's all read it together. Like, you know, out loud. All right. First 1 Corinthians 15.58. Sorry, let me say that one more time. 15.58. Here we go. Are you ready? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Jude chapter number 1 in verse number 24, there's only one chapter, so it won't be hard to find. Jude 1, 24, or just Jude 24, I guess is a technical way of saying that. Jude 24 and 25. I'm trying to show you that God wants us to be established in Christ, all right? Verse number 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. Go to Colossians chapter number one in verse number 23. Colossians 123, go back a few pages. Good to hear pages turning. It's music to a preacher's ears. Verse 23. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. He's encouraging the Colossian church here that they would be ones that would be grounded, that would be settled in Christ Jesus the Lord. Sometimes we talk about a house or a foundation that needs to be needs to settle a little bit. Uh, something needs to settle. It needs to kind of find its bearings. It's not not quite settled enough. And uh, you know what? You need to find your settling in Christ. Be settled down in Him. Be grounded in Christ. And go to one more passage this morning. First Peter chapter five in verse number ten. 1 Peter chapter five in verse number ten. This is just a sampling of verses. Uh, this morning on being grounded and settled and established in Christ you can find a host more on your own by doing a little bit of cross-referencing or using a strong concordance it doesn't take that much. 1st First First Peter chapter 5 verse 10. In context, he's speaking of uh, being steadfast in the faith, resisting the devil. For he says in verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walketh as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But, I love the great, this great but here, but the God of all grace... Who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What is interesting, as we'll notice over these next couple of weeks with these uh, admonitions to be firmly grounded and settled in Christ, is that on the heels of these, you know, of these doxologies, you'll find that oftentimes the writer, whether it be Jude or whether it be Paul or whether it be Peter, says these great words, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It is really to the glory of God and to Jesus Christ that we are established. Now there is an establishment in our society today, we call them, they are perhaps what we might call as the in crowd, or the who's who in America, or the upper crust, or those that are in the know, or those that might think they are above the rest. Um, There are also, maybe sometimes we say, well, that person is established. Uh, They've got a good job, they've got a good marriage, they've got... You know, uh, they've got uh, healthy children. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, they've got a nice house and a nice few cars. They've got a house in the country and maybe a house down at the beach. And uh, they're, they've got a boat and they're members of the country club. I mean, they're, they're established people. They've got it all together. Another way we saw, somebody might not even be rich or they might not be poor, but they might be what we call an established member of the community. Uh, they've been there for a really long time. They've had a, maybe a business in the community that's been reputable and, uh, and outstanding and produces great customer service, and, uh, and they're on the uh, school board, you might say, uh, and they're an established member of the community. But when the Bible speaks of being established, it doesn't mean any of those things. Aren't you glad? Amen. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be a member of the country club or on the school board or be in the who's who of America uh, to be established in Christ? Praise God for that. What he's referring to is our strength our, and our ability and our steadfastness that we have in our faith that is founded in Jesus Christ. An interesting fact that I found out about this word establish or go back to Romans chapter number 16 because that will be our text today. Romans 16, and I have, must say I've never preached from Romans 16, verses number 25 and 26. After looking over my notes and never uh, kind of glancing back through my own memory bank, I know that I've never probably preached from these verses before. And, uh, a little inspiration was, I, was uh, I got a newsletter from the Bible and Literature Missionary Foundation and found out that their theme verse... For their uh, their uh, their Bible printing ministry is Romans sixteen twenty six, what it says. But now speaking of the gospel has been manifest by what the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, and to make this known unto all nations. So that's their proclamation. They're they're printing and publishing the Bible, the scriptures, to be made known unto the rest of the nation. Well, that little verse kind of caught my attention because. You know, that's not a verse you oftentimes see on a prayer card, on a placard, Romans chapter 16 and verse number 26. And God just kind of dealt with that thing on my heart and began looking over it and seeing some great truths within it. And one interesting thing that caught my attention was that word establish. And the word establish is where we get our word uh, steroid from. And a steroid is a stimulant uh, uh, that is uh, manufactured now today in order to... I remember taking prednisone uh, as a 17-year-old, as a steroid, uh, because I had foolishly uh, bear-hugged by... uh, I should say not foolishly, but ignorantly bear-hugged a tree that was covered in poison ivy uh, vines. And uh, so did my friend, and we had poison ivy rash from head to toe and in between our fingers and all those good places. And it was, uh, it was a great, it was a great, no, it wasn't a great thing. And they said, you need some steroids, you need some prednisone, and it was a stimulant to help that to go away. And we hear about that sometimes, and sometimes somebody might be sick, and they need, a, they need this help them to strengthen them, to establish them, to get their immune system kind of kicked into high gear Unfortunately, uh, as all natural and fleshly men do, they use such things to uh, artificially build themselves up and pump themselves up and become larger than, uh, than uh, what they could be or to be able to ride their bikes longer than they can and uh, be able to throw the football farther or to be able to hit the baseball further or be able to run faster. And we know that it's been used in a wrong way. And uh, people always abuse uh, even the good things that God uh, gives to us. But I'm glad to report to you today that the real steroid that brings real strength, real stability, and real steadfast has no artificial flavors, amen? There's no red, red 40 in it, my friend, okay, or yellow 5. But rather, this is the establishment of Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we're established in Him, there's no negative side effects to our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I've kind of already told you, and you probably already got it, but let's just answer this question. Who is it that establishes us? Who is it that establishes us? Who is able to do so? You might, and some of you, I don't know uh, what you have in your lap right in front of you, but uh, some of you might have a Bible that says, now to him that is able to establish you. And the word power there can be translated and is translated able or is translated can or it's translated in a different ways. But in our Bibles here this morning in in, in Romans 16 verse 25 it says, Now unto him that uh, is of power to establish you. I found that very interesting because that word here, steroidzoi, it only is translated as power in this one instance here. This one instance, now I must confess, I did not study all 214 instances of the word power, all right? The word power, it's mentioned many a times. And that word, though, in this case, I did study a few and I found this very interesting fact. That every time that I found that that word power or able or can is being used, is oftentimes being in reference to what we can do. But when the translators chose to translate it here, it's speaking of what God can do. Now, it's not that God is not able. We sing that song, but the point being, it's a more emphatic use of it here to let us know. Now, unto him it's letting us know. Now, to him that is of power, that is of ability, that has the strength, that has the ability to establish you. Praise God to him. Lift him up. Jesus Christ, the antecedent is found for us in verse 24, of course. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us. He lets us know. Now to him, who? Jesus. Jesus establish you. Jesus' power dwell in you. Jesus let be the one that settles you. May I let you know this morning that Jesus has the power. He said he has the power. He claimed to have the power. Mark 14, in verse number 62, Jesus said to his disciples when they asked of his, asked of if his coming again one day, he said, ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, Dunamas, he says, coming again in the clouds of heaven. You're going to see this in power. Praise God. He did not come in power, if you will, the first time, but he's coming again. And power. the next time. He's coming to reign. He's coming to rule. He's coming to establish his might and dominion upon the face of the earth. He did mighty works of power. The Bible says, woe unto thee, Corazon, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works, Jesus did mighty works. Can you imagine Jesus sitting down? in this auditorium, and there being a line around the block of people waiting to be healed? I mean, that's what happened. Jesus' mighty works were put on full display to demonstrate that He was the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of all the world. There's no denying the power of Christ. Others knew about his power. There were some lepers that came to him one day, and they said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make us clean. The word canst there is the same word. Dunamas. You can do it. We believe in you. We trust in you. They had faith to believe that God could heal them. Now, you know what faith is? Faith is not positive thinking, Right? Some people say, "Well, only believe." Have you ever seen maybe that? That's a that's a nice little statement in you know Hobby Lobby. You know, uh, you find only believe. But what does that even mean, right? Believe in what? Right. Or you might see somebody say on their bumper sticker, "Have faith." Well, have faith in what? Have faith in faith? You know, have faith in me. You know, have faith in uh, this God or that God or have faith that I can do it. You know, listen, I can have all the faith that I want to, to believe that I can go play for the NBA, but it's not going to happen. I can tell you that right now. All right. It ain't going to happen. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in me. It's not faith in positive thinking. Or maybe in, in a lot of the word faith movement is the idea of like, if I think it and I dream it and I, and I materialize it in front of me and I, and I just really just say, I'm going to get that, then that will eventually, it will materialize in front of me and I will get what I want. Is that what he means? Of course not. Faith is is only as powerful as the object in which you place it in. For instance, if I chose to rest upon this altar table, I have no, it's powerful, I have powerful faith to do that. Why? Because I'm putting faith in something that is much stronger than me. Now, I will not amuse you this morning, but if I decided, you know what, I think this, and as I've learned, this is a snake plant, by the way, and uh, should we have this in church? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, if I decided, should I put my faith in sitting upon this, I will not amuse you, all right? All right, because my faith, you say, you just don't have enough faith to sit down upon that and for it to hold you up. No, my faith is as only strong as the object in which I put it in, all right? This is not going to hold me up. It's not stronger than me. It's less than me. Listen, my, that's why Jesus said, if you had the faith of the grain of a what? Mustard seed. It's not that you need more faith, my friend. It's that you need to make sure you're placing your faith in the right object. Too many times our faith is in this thing or that thing or... This savings account or my job or my family or, or if I'm going to do this or get that or anything. But listen to me, my friend, you can't have faith in any of that. The only person that you can have faith in is Jesus Christ because he's the only one that will never fail you nor forsake you, my friend. These men knew that. And nothing is above his power. Perhaps you've heard these verses before in Romans 8 where it says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, listen, here's the word, shall be Able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Now, listen, there is nothing that is above his power. Jesus says, I have the power. Jesus demonstrated he had the power. Others witness and testify to the fact that he had the power, and nothing is above his power. Listen, that's what your faith is to be settled in. That is the person that can establish you. It is Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, to him, That is of power to strengthen you, to establish you. Paul is giving to us a doxology, a praise report of Jesus Christ. And he's telling us his power that establishes us. And then what he does, and I'm not going to give them all to you today. That's why I wanted to break this message up a little bit. Is that he gives to us. And you might argue different ways. Six to eight. I'm going to say there's six here. There's six different ways in which he establishes us. Six different ways in which God establishes us. Now, every one of these ways will hold their own. All of these ways would have a, be enough, would deserve, deserve their own sermon. But one is even good enough in our own right to continue us and to establish us. But as they put them all together, they form a sure bond that cannot be broken. They not only establish our faith, but they establish for us that the power of Christ is in us and working in us. So you're established in Christ. That's all we need. We need Christ. But then God in His grace, think about it like this. God in His grace gives us more ways to be established in Him. To be more established. I remember when we, uh, if you ever build something, you know, and you look at that thing and you, you finish the first part of the project. Let's say you're building a building and you're pouring a slab, all right? And you pour the slab. I mean, that thing's, boom, established, right? I mean, it's there. But after a couple of weeks, a couple months, there's actually, if you drive right over here off of uh, Old Bee Cave Road and right over here by the Natural Gardener, ever since I've been here in Austin, I've driven down that little road that takes you over to Southwest Parkway. I can't remember the name of that road, but nonetheless. Over to the right on the corner there, there's a foundation, a slab that's been poured. And it's set there. I don't see one cracking. It looks very Very solid. I think you even see some J-hooks sticking up out of it for two-by-sixes or two-by-fours to be received into it. But it's just set there. Nothing wrong with the foundation. It's good. But that's all they got. That's all they got. You know, it's good to have a good foundation in Christ. Amen? There is no other foundation, right? Then what does he say? Now let us build Upon this foundation. And if you're going to build up your faith. Your most precious and holy faith in God Almighty. Then he's going to tell us how to do that. What are some ways? What are some key aspects to that? Of course he doesn't list them all. Of course there could be a whole multitude of ways. In which we could be more established in our faith with Jesus. But let us look at the first way that he says. He says according to my Gospel. Now, to him that is of the power to establish you according to my gospel. Now, Paul is not saying that it is his gospel and that's all it is, right? He's not saying, he's not making a false claim and saying, this is only my gospel, all right? We know that's not the truth. We know that's not what he's saying. Why? Because Stephen preached the gospel. Peter preached the gospel. Barnabas preached the gospel. John preached the gospel. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. We know it's not just relegated to just his gospel, all right? That's not what he's saying. Jude did. Just look through your authors. But we can not understand this because we know by this time that there were many other preachers. But what he's letting us know, what he means here, he's meaning here, he's saying that according to my gospel, what he means is that the gospel that he's been so careful to defend for the last 16 chapters. Do you realize that Romans Romans uh, is, the, is the gospel contained for us? It has the substance, it, has, it is what gives the gospel bones, if you will. We know about Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection according to the gospels. But what gives the gospel its strength, its stability? What, what is it that really solidifies what we believe about salvation? It's the book of Romans. God in his sovereign will chose for Paul to write this precious book. Basically, everything that we know and everything we've been taught about our salvation is, derived, is derided from the book of Romans. You get some in other places, there's no doubt about that. But Romans is a theological treaty, is what it is. Teaching us what it means to be saved, what it means to be lost, What it means, what what advantages do you have from being saved? The epistle of Romans is the bones of the gospel. This gospel that God chose him to write, the gospel of Romans, as one author said, is the backbone of doctrine for our salvation. So yes, in a way, you might say that this is my gospel because I wrote it. I wrote this thing. But more likely, what he's meaning here is this, is that it was his gospel because the gospel is always personal. In fact, this isn't the only time that Paul says this. In 2 Timothy 2.18, it says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul calls it my gospel. In another place, he calls it our gospel. In another place, he calls it the gospel which I preach. Paul is not being audacious in saying these things, but rather quite the, fact of, but rather quite the opposite. And the fact of the matter is that any person that is saved takes a personal, takes the gospel personally. Takes the gospel personally. In fact, if you don't take the gospel personally, I would want to sit down and talk to you about what kind of gospel do you actually have. Because a gospel that's not taken personally is not a gospel of the Bible. A gospel of the Bible is one that says, I can preach the gospel and tell you the gospel because the gospel has affected me and has changed me. That's the main thing about it. The gospel produces a personal testimony. I could stand this morning and say, I am preaching to you my gospel. Because it's changed me. It's affected me. It's changed my life. I was once a sinner. I was once going to hell. I was once lost in my sins. But now I have been saved. And Jesus has saved me. And I've been changed. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The gospel is an establishing factor in our faith with Jesus Christ. Turn over to Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 16 and notice here, again, he uses this same word dunamis here as, the word, as uh, this word uh, power is used again. There's a little technicality there if you're maybe calling me out there and thinking in your mind, well, I thought you said oh, power is only translated one time. Well... The, 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 the deponent is used, dunamai is only translated one time as power, which is like a verb, but dunamos is translated many times as power, like in Acts chapter number one, one eight, one eight. you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And again in Romans 1.16, dunamos is used, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, verse 17, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So you see, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, you shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. Why should you not be ashamed of the gospel? Because it is the power of God unto salvation, my friend. You, can be a, you should be a, you're established in their faith in Jesus Christ by the gospel. But not only by the gospel, but he says also according to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse number 25. Now to him that is of the power to establish you, listen how he does it, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. He isn't again saying that literally you're established by, uh, by my preaching. He's not saying that necessarily. Nor is he saying by the, literally by the preaching of Jesus in the Gospels. Though Jesus' messages were oftentimes meant to establish and strengthen our faith. But the word preaching means literally the proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation of Jesus Christ and his doctrines. Listen, we need to be reminded on a continual basis about our faith and how to live out our faith through the preaching of Jesus Christ. We can never hear enough about Jesus Christ. Jesus saves, we sing. And I like how the songwriters said, I'm glad they wrote it that way. They said, Jesus saves, and they couldn't get enough of it. What did they say? Jesus saves, right? That's, we have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Preaching is the venue by which God chose to herald out his message. And one of the very first messages of the church, Peter stands up and preaches. And what does he preach? Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God that hath hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He preaches to them Jesus. Preaching establishes our walk with Jesus Christ. Listen, you should be coming to every service that you can to hear the preaching of the Word of God. You should want to listen to the preaching so that you can be more established in your faith. You should be praying for the preaching so that you can be established. How are you going to be more established with your walk with Jesus Christ if you're not listening or hearing or being exposed to preaching? I mean, that's what Paul is letting us know. That's the outworkings. That would be the teaching of Romans chapter 16, verse number 25. You're established according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Some might want to say, well, you just need to preach Jesus. Listen, the great thing about it is this, is that I never have to worry if I'm ever preaching about Jesus if I'm preaching out of this book. In the beginning was the what? Word. Christ is the Word incarnate. Christ is the Word made flesh. When you open this Bible, you're reading about Jesus, my friend. You might not know it. You might not understand it. But He's on every page. Every single page. Christ is the Lord. And He is the Word. He tells Titus these words that God hath in due times, that is in these times, manifested His Word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. And what did Paul, what was Paul telling Titus in the book of Titus? He was telling him what to preach. He tells them all throughout the book of Titus, what do you need to preach on? This is what you need to preach on. This is what you need to preach on. You need to preach on this, and you need to preach on that, and you need to preach on this. He's telling them what to preach because Paul is, has very good common sense that he ain't going to be around forever. Amen? And he needs some young men to stand up and preach the word of God and tell others. And the apostle is doing that. And you know what we derive our doctrine from? Anybody know? The apostles' doctrine. So you just write off anybody that says, well, I'll just only believe the Gospels, you know. Well, listen, the church for the last 1900 and something years hasn't always done that. The church has stood by the Gospels and the Apostles' Doctrine from Acts all the way to Revelation. They've held to these things. Preaching teaches us and it helps us to be more resolute in our faith in the Gospel. Listen, let me just give you an illustration. You leave the church today, all right? I don't mean literally, all right, I just mean go outside the buildings. And I hope you come back. But when you leave this church building today, and after you've heard the preaching of the Word of God, how many people are going to come by your way and say, you know what, you need to stand more firm with Jesus Christ. When you sit down to go to a restaurant tomorrow or sometime this week, and the late lady comes back, she's going to say, you know what, don't be ashamed of your faith in Jesus You're going to get that at work? Sadly, some people don't even get it at home. Now, we should be doing that in our Christian homes, amen? We should, be in, we should be encouraging our wives and our husbands, and uh, we should be encouraging our children and our, and our families to be resolute and stand firm and stand fast and uh, tell them the gospel and tell them they, uh, and read the word of God to them and pray with them and talk to them about the Lord. That should be a safe haven, our homes should be. But you're not going to find that out in the world. Sadly, you're not going to find that even in some homes, and sadly not even in some Christian homes. people talking about the Lord. But you should be able to come to church and hear something about the preaching of the Word of God. Some of you are here as a direct result that, you know what? You were at a church and they stopped preaching the Word. Stop preaching the Word. And that's happening, and I'm hearing that. Amos said it, did he not? He said, there should be a famine in the land, not a famine of bread or of water but a fair amount of hearing the Word. Why? Because you can't find the Word. You go to some churches or some places that call themselves a church, you're not going to hear the Word of God. Any place that will not preach the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ ceases to be a church. If you're not preaching Christ, you're you're, you're ceasing to be a church. You're on the downslide. But then he says one more thing. He says, how are we to be established? You just be established by the gospel, be established by the preaching of the word. But he also says by the revelation of the mystery of God. God's power establishes you through a very great mystery that was hid for so many years. Not just simply Christ's incarnation or Christ's death or Christ's resurrection, All of that is said to be true. In fact, that's why I had uh, Doug read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 this morning because it speaks there of the mystery of the revelation that was revealed to us. And you know what one of those things was? It was the fact that God was going to save a great host of Gentiles and bring them all in Jew and Gentile into one body. And what do we call that one body today? The church. And God was going to establish His church. And you can look throughout the Old Testament and you can catch glimpses of it and see pictures of it. Or sometimes it's allegorized or symbolized. But none of that was revealed to the Jews. God's substitute program until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in is the church. God isn't through with the Jews and the nation of Israel as a whole. You, you do know that, right? God is not done with the nation of Israel. We are not the new Israel, okay? All right? America is not the new Israel. Yeah, that was a proclamation taught a long time ago. But we're not the new Israel, my friend. We are the church of the living God. God isn't through with the Jewish nation, but what has God done? He has put that nation on hold. And he has chosen in his sovereign grace to work through his church. Praise God. Amen. And God is working mightily through his church. God's vehicle by which he is publishing and establishing the gospel is through his church. And like I said, if a church ceases to be preaching the gospel, they cease to be a church. In which if you're saved today... And been born again by the Spirit of God, then you are part of it. That's why we're having a baptismal service, amen. To identify yourself with Jesus Christ, but also with others that have been baptized in like manner in light like, for like faith. There's one Lord, one faith, one what? Baptism. Baptism. God establishes us through the preaching of the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and through the church of the living God. You're doing what believers have done through centuries gone past. Then they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's why you join a church. It's not like you, it's not like joining a country club to get established in the community. It's joining a church or being involved in a church so that you can be more established and more sound in your walk with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalm eighteen, verse number twenty-one: "For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God." You know what the way of God is right now? His method of using people that are His, the way in which He is establishing us, helping us, ministering, it's through the church. Through the local New Testament church. If you went over to Psalm 78 and verse number 8 and 37, you would find that God actually set His people aside and God would not work through His people because they would not follow His plan. Follow his plan. Many times the Jews would not listen, and they did their own things, and it did not ever please God. Now, being a church member or getting baptized doesn't save you. Amen? It doesn't save you. But there are only, But being a part of the local New Testament church is a way in which we are established. To be involved in this revelation that was unknown until now, until the New Testament written. You know, most of us are not Tom Gears in here. Okay, all right. Some of you say, "May praise God for that." You know, I'm not getting on a getting on a getting on a a bus in the sky on March the 21st and flying to Australia. You know. Most of us are not Tom Gears in here where we're going from church to church and trying to encourage them like an evangelist, but most of us are going to find ourselves more beneficial by being involved in a local church, by praying together, by supporting one another, by giving mission to missionaries, by being hospitable to one another, by having a place to bring lost souls into the mix, to let them have a chance to be saved. You say, is that biblical? Yes, it's very biblical. Paul even alludes to it, to the Corinthians, because their services were so out of order, he says, if a lost person were to walk in here, you'd think you're all crazy, you know? Lost people need to come to church so they can hear the gospel and be saved. Being active in a local church establishes your faith. You say, I don't believe it, then you don't believe Colossians 2.5. For well, the Bible says this, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and your steadfast of your faith. Who was he talking to right there? He was talking to a local New Testament church. He was not writing to a group of individuals. He was not writing to an individual. He was not writing to just one person. And we are very individualistic, as Luke said in our Sunday school lesson. Our American mindset is oftentimes about me, about me, about me, about me. And there's nothing wrong with that in some instances. And there's, sometimes there is something, some very wrong times with that. But as the church, we've got to break away from, well, that's not how I worship God. Or that's not how I do it. Or that's not what I think is best. No, listen to me. What is best is what God says is best and it's the church of the living God it's the preaching of the word of God it's the gospel of the of, of Jesus Christ these are the things that establish you. I didn't make it up you got a problem with it go to the author amen talk to him about it But you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ the Lord. You are established in the gospel. establishing yourself in the preaching of the word. And you're beholding. He says I'm beholding your order. What order? The order of the church he says. He says and I am beholding from a distance. And noticing your steadfastness of your faith in Christ. How many of you were encouraged when Brother McCoy preached Sunday night? I was encouraged. Man, I was, I was lifted up, man. I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready now, man. He's like, I was here three years ago, and I've seen God do some things since I've come back. That's a good, that's a neat thing. We don't see God working when we're here all the time necessarily, do we? We don't necessarily see those things. They're, they happen in slow transition. But when a missionary comes, and he hasn't been here for three, four, five years, and he comes back, and he, and he encourages us, and he says, he says, man, I'm preaching on hospitality, but, man, y'all been hospitable to me all week. Man, it's been, I, I, that encouraged my heart. That here is, a, here is a preacher, here is a missionary, here is our I won't say that, but here is here is a missionary right here that's telling us, he's looking at us, and he's saying, You know what? I have been beholding you and I am noticing you and I am joying in this in the fact that you have been your order and your steadfastness in Jesus Christ. I'm not getting on to you this morning. I'm trying to encourage you, admonish you, stay in the ball game. It's like the one kid, you know, was getting ready to go up to bat. <laughs> The guy walked by the ball field, and he looked at the kid, and the kid was chewing his bubble gum and popping his bubbles and had his bat on his shoulder, and he had his gloves getting tightened. And the man looked at the scoreboard, and it said 50 to nothing. The guy said, man, what are you so happy about? The score's 50 or nothing. He says, man, we haven't had a chance to bat yet. You know what? You might not even be up to bat. But you got to stay in the game, my friend. You got to stay in it. Be settled, be steadfast, be settled, be unmovable in your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in His plan. Through thick and thin, you'll learn to love others, you'll learn to help others, you'll learn to be kind to others, even to some of the people in the church that might hurt you or be unkind to you. Listen to me, my friend. God powers work through His local New Testament church. There are others, and I don't have time to deal with them tonight, this this afternoon. But are you established in your faith with Jesus Christ? Is your faith firmly resting on the solid rock, or are they still in sinking sand? Have you been pulled out of the miry clay, out of the pit of despair? Are you standing on the solid rock? Listen, I'm glad this morning that I don't got to wallow with the hogs no more. Amen? But I can be dressed in robes of righteousness with my Savior. Christ has come to save you. That you might be well established. Not like the rich man like the coffee sang about. Oh, he was well established. He was the upper crust, wasn't he? He was all, he had it all. He fared sumptuously every single day. But in the end, there was only one thing he wanted just one drop of water. Just one little drop. My friend, if you're not firmly established in Jesus Christ, if he is not your foundation, you will, your, plot, your plight will be just like the rich man you will be in hell, begging for just one drop of water. Are you saved? Have you been born again? If you are, then how firm is your foundation? It's really firm. It's in Christ. It's never movable. But are you building upon that foundation? Are you, are you building up your most precious and holy faith in Jesus Christ the Lord? May God help us to be established in Christ.